0: It's Friday, January 20th, 2023. I'm standing on the southwest corner at Kearney and Broadway. I see Tommaso's. Hello, Tommaso's. I see North Beach Citizens. Hello, North Beach Citizens. And uh, shortly I'm going to be crossing the street diagonally, but safely, of course, uh, to go into Key's Jazz Bistro at the northeast corner of Kearney and Broadway and talk to the owner Simon Rowe. So, uh, stay tuned. Hi. How are you? Come Good. on in. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. How oh, thanks. Good.
1: Good. Yeah. Yeah. I was here bright and early. We had uh, our Hammond organ needed a little and I, I have a, a new friend, Robert Kennedy, who's a bit of an electronics whiz and an oh. expert on Hammonds, and he came yeah. in and he spotted the problem and oh. fixed it. And oh, good. It, yeah. Quickly. Quickly. Very quickly. Oh, I mean, we'd been in here twice before, and we, just, we were puzzled as to how. And sure enough, it was that age-old, complicated, one of the wires had come loose.
0: We walked from the bar to the music room, and Simon gave me a demo. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is it. Oh, and, and you always have a kit up there, too. That's uh, yeah, terrific. that's right. And, oh, nice. Uh, and
1: that beautiful Yamaha CF9 on oh. one end of the stage, which is a gorgeous instrument. Uh, do you know um, Pete Fallico? I don't. So he's the big Hammond V3 advocate and um, champion, I guess you would say, ah. of all things Hammond in the Bay Area. And he's got about, I don't know how many of these he has sitting around. And uh, he wasn't interested in selling any, and then... My friend Brian Ho, who is a wonderful uh, player here and the hammered organ specialist in this uh, community, um, kept working on him and finally he capitulated and sold me one.
0: What you're about to hear in the interview, news came out this day of the death of musician David Crosby, which got me thinking as I walked to the interview about the jazz touches in many of Crosby's songs. His vocals sometimes had him singing scat phrases. He used modal concepts in songwriting. His song "Deja Vu" to my mind would lend itself to a greatly expanded jazz arrangement. I bounced the idea off Simon. In the imaginary world, what if there were a jazz tribute to the song "Deja Vu," mm-hmm. redone by jazz musicians? But because mm-hmm. Crosby went into that realm at times, with yeah, his music. I
1: think he was inspired. His son's name was Django. Right? Yes, like
0: yeah, yes. So is well, um, Django? He's yeah. So I got to thinking about it and um, just thinking about it, if I could lead the remake of doing Deja Vu in a jazz style, Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross, the vocalists, mm-hmm. and the Duke Ellington band from the Newport Jazz Festival. When was that? In '59, I think. Right. It's mm-hmm. on the CD. Exactly. Yeah, backing up Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. Ross. Yeah.
1: Right. So wow. Anyway, wow. I probably
0: thought about mm-hmm. that walking down to Broadway because John Hendricks had that show here for so many years on Broadway mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, History of the Blues I think right. it was right was
1: that at the showcase or, uh,
0: or was it a different venue I, it was on the south side of the street but mm-hmm, I don't remember mm-hmm, which club
1: because mm-hmm. the Joe showcases were the Bamboo Hut or Monroe's uh, one of those
0: you know yeah I think it was in that block so
1: okay yeah
0: cool yeah wow wild yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> wild Flights of Fancy. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. Well, um, that's what this life of music is. It's yes, like it a is. A big flight of fancy, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Time for some points of clarification. Uh, Lambert Hendrix, and Ross, a vocal trio, great inspirations to Joni Mitchell, Bette Midler, and perhaps most importantly, to the Manhattan transfer, John Hendricks, J-O-N, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S, was the Hendricks of Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. So for a performance at the 1960 Monterey Jazz Festival, Thank you for the reference here, Wikipedia. John Hendricks created and starred in a musical he called Evolution of the Blues Song, later shortened to Evolution of the Blues. Uh, The group played a number of uh, well known classics uh, Percy Mayfield's Please Send Me Someone to Love, the gospel song That's Enough, and the blues evergreen song. C.C. Ryder, later uh, made famous and successful by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. In 1961, Columbia Records released an LP of the production, and John Hendricks later presented the show at the On-Broadway in San Francisco. That's On-Broadway, above what was Mabuhai Gardens, and uh, that show ran for five years. I remember seeing the marquee for it on that side the south side of Broadway back in the day so that's some background about Lambert and Ross and John Hendricks one correction here too about Duke Ellington and band they played at Newport Jazz in 1956 July of 56 the performance was captured on tape and released by Columbia later, uh, Duke Ellington at Newport. And it is certainly one of my favorite Ellington recordings. It really resuscitated the band's career and is so much fun to listen to. The crowd is just so getting into the band and uh, the band burns it up. So if you've never heard Ellington at Newport, July 56, highly recommended. And now, back to the interview. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the opening of Keys. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah,
1: you know, and um, we have our shovel in the dirt, you know. Um, uh, so that, uh, as they say, that's the hardest part of building a house, right? Getting the shovel in the dirt. Yeah. You know, but, but thank you. Yeah, we're, we're excited to be up and going. Yeah, yeah. It's... um. It truly is a labour of love and I'm reminded of that every evening, you know, when the room's full of people and uh, and I walk out onto the stage and say hello and introduce the band of the evening and I think, well, this is, you know, uh, as close to paradise as a musician might ever hope to be, you know, uh, in terms of having a receptive audience there to to hear the music mm-hmm. of their choice and the musicians mm-hmm. ready to give of themselves you know I mm-hmm. think in an intimate you know surround in mm-hmm. intimate surroundings I think that's I remember seeing that or f- experiencing that as a even preteen I think you know um, uh, just the first times that I went into a real jazz club and sat you know near the edge of the stage and looked up at those musicians and I thought they were gods. I really did. Yeah. I thought, "Wow, I'm not, will I ever get to be part of that club?" You know, um, and uh, you know, and uh, so I think it's one of those um, rare circumstances of art where we get to share of ourselves in such an individualized way, you know, in the company of others in real time you know i think that's the beauty of jazz music you know so um insofar as that's going um you know we're we're thrilled beyond thrilled you know <laughs> and every night we are you know and um as to the practicalities getting community to embrace you know filling the room up uh with community and and um you know as i joke with people who come in here and they say well i hope i hope this goes on for a long time and you know, my standard reply is, well, if you're here, I'm here. (laughs) So, you know, that's how it works, right? Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, Um, great. Yeah. So what was the opening date?
1: uh, November 10th. And we had a sort of an opening week of celebrations. Um, uh, Claire D uh, was our um, sort of, what should I say, Um, you know, galvanizing and 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 convening force on the opening night and she and her quartet presented a beautiful hour-long set and of course you know she's such a master um interpreter of the american songbook and so respectful and cognizant of the lineage of of great jazz singers that to have her at the helm was just really appropriate and we we squeezed 130 people into that
0: 85-person space. We had <laughs> but no move, fire marshal.
1: No fire marshal. We had to move a few tables out of the way. But, you know, everyone that was there I wanted. And, and you know, and I made it very clear from right from the get-go, you know, you are here for a concert presentation, you know, so um, absolute attention and stillness is required in order to be present, you know. And people have pretty much... Uh, really gotten the message as far as that's concerned we've had four shows a week since that opening week and uh, we've had everyone from kenny washington um uh you know uh who is one of our prize vocalists of course in the bay area and sings all over the world uh he sang to a a few packed houses here which was really thrilling to see the room filled up with you know, ninety people um, all waiting for the pin to drop. You know, and uh, it was it was great. And um, uh, who else has been here? We've had Sylvia Cuenca. I don't know if you know her work. She's sort of bi-coastal. She's New York um, established, but she has parents down south of the city, and so she's doing the bi-coastal thing. She brought a uh, brought a beautiful quartet in, and she's married to. Um, the bassist, who was the last bassist for Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, at Ocon Essiet, mm, mm. and uh, so whenever Essiet's on the stage, look out—you know, it's it's incredible. And and uh, Patrick Wolfe was back with a quartet and quintet. Um, uh, let's see, I had the good fortune to host uh, the wonderful alto saxophonist Andrew Spate just a week before he died tragically, um, which was. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that we had that opportunity but also just totally shattered as is most of the community by by his loss you know and um what else have we had
0: um Aaron germain's quartet Aaron germain's <laughs> quartet
1: of course i uh, can't uh, think of all of that it was well, incredible too key, you know yeah. and of course the best of the bay area there adam shulman yeah. um jesse levitt on saxophone and uh design claiborne on drums uh and that was uh that was incredible. That was a really great. Aaron's a masterful um, uh, composer and, and curator, really. Um, you know, he really designed some beautiful sets of music. And uh, one of the lovely things we do here is we've, we have a band in residence for four nights. And so they, they play from Wednesday through Saturday. So to watch the evolution uh, is amazing you know and of course I'm here every night (laughs) I open the doors I close the doors so you know which is um, you know uh, also a very joyful um, you know function of of my role here you know to see these artists giving of themselves and I I mean, sometimes I'm running around delivering food and taking orders and checking on the sound and tweaking, you know, monitors and you know, doing everything that one does to make sure <laughs> the show is perfect, you know, yeah. um, and that the customers are happy. Sure, but you know, uh, there are those rare moments where I get to sit still and and just absorb it like everybody else in the room, and that's that's truly a joy. Yeah, you know? no And doubt. Uh, yeah, we had um, uh, and we are we are sort of um bringing in some bi-coastal figures to Craig Handy. I don't know if you know his work at all, but a great tenor saxophonist New York um, you know uh, saxophonist that has family in Oakland. Uh, he came in for the week of uh, Christmas and uh, that and we played a lot of his originals again with my trio and that was that was a hoot. And, uh, and then Sandy Cressman brought her beautiful homage to Brazil band in uh, the week of New Year's. so that was that was a joy. A lot of these folks that I've just heard of that I'm meeting and hearing play for the first time, and no surprise that just the the ability of artistry and expertise of folks living in this Greater Bay Area um, is uh, you know just not bowling me over. really. Yeah. and uh, so I with I glass. had no doubt that I'd be able to maintain a really a world class schedule here with all the great players we have uh, in the area, and mm-hmm. and that's really bearing fruit you know mm-hmm. and um uh, i don't think um anyone who's come to a show here has been in any way disappointed you know certainly musically yeah uh, you yeah. know, and uh you know and as you know as a presenter too it's it's tricky to walk that line um you know um who to include who can handle that sort of um Responsibility of a four-night run, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, um, really hosting the venue to the crowd because once I hand over the reins and I introduce them, then it's, it's their theirs. show. Yeah, it's all theirs. Sure. You know, and yeah. um, so you know, there's there's a lot just besides playing really good music there. You know, you have to be able to interact with an audience yeah. and and um, and educate. You
0: know, yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, tell tell stories about right. the music and. You know, um, because, you know, the, um, the average person is coming, you know, not with a lot of insider knowledge of the music, you know. They're, they're coming to be entertained. And, and part of that is to to tell them about the music, I think. and And, of course, this setting, you know, has that level of intimacy where you can do that. You know, it's not a big formal, you know, multi-hundred-seat theatre.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not having to think every moment, well, I've got to get on to the next song because the people in row 55 are getting impatient.
1: Right, exactly. exactly. There's none of that. It's very, you know... And, and, you know, it requires... I mean, I've been really thrilled with our staff. They have to learn sort of a stealth uh, approach to, to serving <laughs> snake people. Snake through the tables. Exactly,
0: snake through the... Not disturb the musicians.
1: Exactly, that's, yeah. and that's a real art. Yes, you know? it is. Um, and, uh, but they're doing beautifully with it, and it, it helps that I have a number of musicians on my staff mm. too so they sought this opportunity out knowing that it was the type oh. this was the type of venue and so you know they love being in the space because of oh, that that's you know. great synergy right there well it is yeah. it is and and um, you know my uh, in fact yeah I mean if they don't if they don't play music, they it, it's an it's a very important part of their lives for each and every one of our staff members, which I think makes sense, right?
0: You yeah. Because
1: yeah. if you're going to be around at 24-7, mm-hmm. you better have some affinity, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, individual acts and groups are here for a four-night stand. For a four-night well, what, stand. What time is the downbeat?
1: Yeah, so we do shows at 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock. And... Um, the way it's been working is that the weeknights are a little quieter on Wednesdays and Thursdays, so you know, people can usually roll up you know, last-minute decision and, and, and come in. Of course, we prefer reservations so that we have a sense of what sort of traffic we're going to have.
0: And you do that through your website?
1: Yes, we do all the reservations through keysjazzbistro.com, and you can you know, find your show and time of choice, uh, day and time of choice,
0: and then go ahead and order the tickets online. And, and um, they, get, they can print out a ticket or put it on their phone to uh, get Yeah,
1: it? Uh, well, actually, as soon as they have purchased the ticket, it registers on our system. So they just give so, their name? Yeah, they, yeah. and okay. so they just show up at the door yeah. and, and I check them off and yeah. away they go, you know. And like mm-hmm. I said, there's usually not a problem if ever anyone has, a, has difficulty with the, navigating the website or, you know, we've got email information, which is info at keys jazzbistro.com and if anyone ever has a question or gets stumped, you know, they can email us and it's it's very relaxed so, you know, just come on in if there's any doubt, there's a show you want to go to <laughs> just come, you know and um, uh, in the future you know, when we have, you know, we start getting packed in here um, and for a big name like Kenny Washington or, uh, you know I would recommend really knowing that you have a ticket before you mm-hmm. show up you mm-hmm. know. but most nights we can we can squeeze folks in. I mean, we can really squeeze about 90 folks into that listening room, so,
0: yeah, yeah. And there are speakers in here. We're sitting in the bar. Exactly, And yeah. there are speakers in here.
1: We are, so wow. I, I, str- I um, you know, I push the show out to the bar so that people out here can be tempted to come in if, if, if they so choose, you know. And also it provides a lovely ambience. In sure. There. And uh, the way I've designed the sound system is to be very uh, invisible, um, you know, so that uh, because, uh, you know, it's a very intimate space, I don't want anyone to be aware that the music's being reinforced. Uh, so, yeah. you know, for instance, the people who are sitting in that side fill mm-hmm. area back there, the, yep. they're 50 feet away from the piano. Yeah. But I've got it just dialed in a little bit so it sounds like they're sitting right next to the pianist. So, you know, I'm I'm a, a bit of a purist uh, with sound. You know, I want it to sound acoustic, you know, uh, it, that's the spirit of this music, Uh jazz music, you know. And jazz musicians, fortunately, are so good at balancing themselves within the ensemble um, that there's very little that has to be done. It's just a matter of me um, just gently bringing, you know, certain instruments into spaces where it may not project quite far enough. Sure, sure, yeah,
0: Yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm, fortunately, too, there have been some people who've, you know, volunteered to help me tweak this to um, Jeff Cressman, who was, uh, you know, a great trombonist, was here with um, Sandy Cressman's group, and uh, and of course he's a sound engineer as well, and very fine. And I just found out that Dan Feisley, who's playing in uh, Eric Jacobson's group this mm. week, is mm. is one of the top uh, sound engineers oh. in the in the Bay Area so of course every opportunity I have to you know uh, um, uh, you know I, I have no pride I'm going to ask every question I can because sure. I'm not a sound engineer but I'm here every night and I have a, a decent set of ears so it makes sense that I should learn the room um,
0: Yeah, really well you know absolutely yeah. 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 would you want to mention the, the brand of sound system you have is it something particularly special
1: it's nothing particularly special okay. you know um We shied away from. I mean, it's um, uh, you know, it's an it's an it's just an EV system, you know. But but um, you know, the the powered speakers are so beautifully uh, you know manufactured these days. Yeah, anyone who's in the market at all Uh um, has to be decent. They have to be competitive, you know. Yes, you know, and uh, I mean, I've been very happy, um, you know, with the system and. And really, um, like I said, it's the whole function of it is to just gently lift the band into the full
0: space. Right. You know. Right. So, um,
1: and we're getting there, I think. You know.
0: And, um, Great. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't we rewind into history a little bit? Okay. If if we could. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you you mentioned one aspect of how you became a music follower at a young age. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That Mm -hmm. that sounds intriguing, getting in young to a club where jazz is being played. Right. Maybe your parents took you? Right.
1: My mother, well, incidentally, lovely full circle experience. My mother was just here for five weeks, and so she was bringing me into clubs at you know 10 11 12 years old so here i got to bring her into my (laughs) club and she's 83
0: oh excellent and
1: she was here for five weeks and Mm. did not miss a night excellent She uh, she just loved it you know and uh so um you know i very like most of us who are drawn into music as a lifelong pursuit i think um it's not really a choice you just you know it's like a Bolt of lightning, and mm-hmm. you know, an epiphany. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and you say, "Well, that's what I want to do." You know, and simply because it makes you happy, mm-hmm. it's joy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think then, you know, because you'd never do it as a calculation of, uh, you know, financial <laughs> well-being or or you know, um, material success. No, no one would ever choose it for those reasons. You know, it's just, you know, you are you are chosen, and it's a current. I think that. That identifies itself um, with us and, and a part of our sort of abstract communication as human beings that, that you know resonates with us. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so it shows well me. Said. Yeah, it shows me at a very young age. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I was a trumpet player for many years and professionally. Uh, that was my first really serious pursuit, uh, instrumentally. And then in my 20s, I, I transitioned more to piano. And then in the last few years, I've gotten more serious about Hammond organ as well. So, um, uh, you know, as jazz musicians, the instrument definitely is the medium, you know, and um, it's, not, it's not that which by which we define ourselves, you know, it's, it's the instrument of our communication But, you know, which is why many jazz musicians, you know, often play a number of instruments very, very well, is Mm -hmm. because the essence of their understanding is easily transferred to different media, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, uh, yeah, I've always been around the music and serious about it um, since my young teenage years. And, um, uh, you know, I taught university this last 20 years prior to opening the club. And uh, prior to that, I ran a record label for five years in the Midwest um, around St. Louis and Indianapolis. And um, prior to that, I was learning my trade, you know, and doing gigs like most, you know, musicians, just hustling gigs and playing the music and learning the music, you know. And, you know, I think we're lucky to be able to find Chief mentors at any moments on our path. You know, Absolutely, this is an apprenticeship art form, right? Yes. So, you really only learn it from someone sta- sitting or standing right next to you. You know, and um, certainly from a jazz perspective, I feel that my one of my great mentors was um, was uh, Willie Akins in St. Louis. I was there in my early 30s, and really just sort of getting my my piano, professional piano stuff together, and ended up in Willie's Quartet for about four years, and um, uh, and that was my you know baptism of fire, really, um, and uh, I just remember um, showing up to gigs and thinking that I was prepared, and then thinking. What at all and just hanging on for dear life <laughs> and then i'd go home and practice like a demon and think i'll be ready for the next gig and then willie would play two notes and i would think oh wh- why is he so far out front there in the distance you know but you know if you keep doing that it, um every day it night ups in, night your out, game. yeah and you don't realize that over time you've actually evolved to the point where you're uh, you know you you have just absorbed all of this information yeah. and, and this emotional energy yeah. and and um, these tools that right. you know um, that you can only get on the gig right? yeah. I mean you, you can practice too you're blue in the face in the practice room but you know the rules of engagement really only apply when you're in battle right <laughs> you know and, that, and that's in the gig and I, I say that with all the, the love in the world you know of course we're not in battle we're we're communing with our with our um, colleagues, but right. but um, it's uh, definitely anything you do in the practice room only takes shape in performance. I think.
0: Well, since your current instrument is uh, the Hammond B three, do you have particular organists who you most admire?
1: Oh, absolutely. So. Um, you know, and that's... I just want to clarify, I haven't forsaken the piano in any way. Okay. I'm still a very serious uh, pianist, and, and that, to me, is is much more second nature, obviously, because I've been playing it for, you know, 30 years now, professionally. Um, so, but the organ is my latest, um, uh, you know, uh, love affair, for sure. So, um, people... Uh, one of my favorite is um, favourites is Melvin Ryan. Again, we were talking about... The Indi- uh, Indianapolis connection, the Montgomery brothers,
0: and right. yeah, so Melvin yeah.
1: Rhyme was was uh, played with Wes Montgomery there in Indianapolis, oh. and uh, again he was a pianist who then became an organist, and just uh, I love his um, just his whole approach to the organ, you know, his his nuance, his his choice of color, um, and uh, it re- really sounds like he's singing. It's a voice, you know, and. Uh, I, um, I got to meet him, too, um, by happenstance, when I was teaching up in the Upper Midwest at Minnesota State University. We had the opportunity to bring him up as a guest, and, um, uh, and he just knocked me out. It was not long before he passed away, actually, just a year or two before he passed away. And um, he was struggling with some health things, but, wow, when he sat behind the organ, it just woke up. It spoke so beautifully, and I thought to myself, wow. Wow. You know, imagine having that sense of um, control and and nuance and and such a voice that he that he had with the instrument. You know, and I love um, uh, some of the modern conceptualists of the instrument too. Um, I love what Larry Goldings has done with his trio. Do you know that group? I've heard some of that. Yeah, with Peter Bernstein and um, John, Bill Stewart is the drummer. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that that is a great, and you know. You could almost hear the click in the late 90s when that band, you could hear Larry sort of searching for his voice and they were doing more traditional organ organ trio fare and everything and then he started writing some originals and as did Peter Bernstein and all of a sudden, like in the late 90s, it just went click and it sounds like no other group, you know, which all the great bands have that characteristic where they just all yep. of a sudden go boom and... Nobody sounds like them and they don't sound like anybody, you know? I mean, the Miles Davis Quintets, um, you know, Dave Brubeck's quartet, uh, you know, John Coltrane's quartet. I mean, just, you know, think of any of those great bands and they just... Once that chemistry, that magical sort of mixture sets, um, you know, then... They own it. They own it, right. Yeah. Yeah, nobody sounds like them and they don't sound like anybody else, you know? And, of course... You know, that sort of individuality and nuance is what we all seek out as musicians or to have bands and relationships like that. You mm. know? Yes. You know, I mentioned Willie Aikens as my great mentor. That quartet that I had with him actually featured a great drummer who played with Roy Hargrove for many years. His name's Montez Coleman. Mm. I don't know whether you know yeah. of his work, but St. Louis, obviously. Yeah. Montez was 22 years old when we started playing together. And I remember, still remember distinctly the first gig that I ever did with him. I'd been playing with Willie Akins for a little while and the bass player had joined the band, who is a wonderful Dutch uh, bass player, Willem von Humbruckt, uh, still lives in St. Louis, is a dear friend of mine and I'm going to get Willem to the club at some point here. And uh, But we'd been struggling with the drum chair, hadn't really found the right, the right fit, you know. And of course it was Willie's band, so he was the one looking, you know. And then all of a sudden, Willie scored a Sunday morning brunch gig at the then Adams Mark Hotel, you know, which was on the waterfront in St. Oh, St. Louis, yeah. you yeah. know. <laughs> and so, you know, these big hotels were built in the area of, you know, grandiosity, really, you know, so the foyers are huge ballroom ceilings <laughs> with marble everywhere, you know. And and so, <laughs> yeah, I know. Nightmare. <clears throat> it's a nightmare for a jazz musician, right? You know, so... We show up. Fortunately, there's a really nice Baldwin piano there, and um, and all I need to do is is lift the lid up, and boom, it's it's gorgeous, and they're maintaining it well, and so I'm thinking, wow, well I've scored. Yes. But then, um, you know, and the bassist is loving, you know, that his sound is carrying, you know, through the whole space. Sure. And then Willie looks over. Montez Coleman arrives. Um, this young, you know, uh, smiling drummer, and sets his drums up, and then Willie looks at him and says, brushes, you know. Of and uh, And so, um, you know, so Montez gets his brushes out, you know, doesn't hesitate, and Willie counts the first tune in, and I looked over and I thought, oh, my God, have I died <laughs> and gone to heaven? This guy had a feel like Billy Higgins, yeah. you know. Uh, it was that happy, oh, wow. happy, floating, you know, sort of effervescent thing, yes. you know. Right. And so it was just all of a sudden, that group just went... Shoo- and, and that was the group for the next four years. Oh, know. yeah, it wonderful. Was, yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. So, yes, you know, be. and when you get those experiences, you know, that's that's really what uh, allows you to look inwardly too at your own playing. How am I functioning in this unit? Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, I recorded every single gig. You know, wonderful. It, it was such a uh, such an opportunity, and it was back yeah. in the days of handheld cassette tape warpman yeah right you know so so I would just bring the Walkman to every gig hit record you know record the gig and then sadly I would record it I I would just throw it in the uh, cassette player in the car on my way to the next gig and listen to everything and take it all in okay do this don't do that okay and then then I'd throw the same cassette back in and record over it and do the same thing on the way to the next gig so that sort of opportunity is, oh. you know, incredible. Oh yes. Yeah. And, oh, and wonderful. Yeah. So that, that, um, you know, um, and and from an organ perspective, I've I've got a, a band that is starting to develop that sort of uh, individuation. I think, uh, um, and that at the moment it's it was a pandemic project that I started um, down on my. Uh, my wife has a physical therapy clinic in Glen Park and she's got a little patio that that that, uh, that sort of looks out over the CBD of yeah. Glen Park. Yeah. And so we started Jazz on the Patio during the pandemic oh. as a safe way yeah. for us to play for the neighbourhood. And we just did it oh. as a joyful gesture. Yeah. You know, I mean, because people couldn't gather. No. Nope. They couldn't stop. You know, we couldn't let them into the space. So right. they could just walk by on the street. And so... Um, you know, uh, Dave McNabb would come down, I don't know if you know him incredible guitarist uh, he lives up um, uh, Wine Country Way Sebastopol, and uh, and then Brian Fishler, do you know his no, drumming at all no. yeah, so he was New York based for about 20 years but um, he he's, has Bay Area connections and moved back here and he's just a, an exquisite uh, drummer, just attention to detail and texture and timbre and time and you know, I mean, I the first time I played with him, I thought, oh, my God, i better practice, you know, <laughs> because he's just one of those... Um, he's just got a very acute sense of everything that's going on. And so I had a hunch that if I put Brian Fishler and Dave McNabb together, that it would be explosive, and sure enough, it is. So so I'm just sort of... I try and be the glue yeah. between those two guys, and, of course, the Hammond is perfect for that, you know. Yeah. So that band... You know, I have high hopes for. Um, you know, it's we're not getting to play quite as much as we would like, um, just because Dave is so busy, uh, and um, you know. But I think that over time, that that band will have its own distinctive voice. You know. Uh,
0: and you band. rehearse here, I imagine. Uh, well,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't even get to rehearse with oh. those guys. I just, oh, yeah. I just say, you're <laughs> on the gig. Can you make it? <clears throat> you know, right. and i pull a new arrangement. I, into the set list and I say well you know here's the sheet you know follow it best you can as best you can and they do and and Dave fortunately is extremely courageous and just has he has no fear he'll go for anything and so we we've, we've got to work out our difficulties on the stand at the gig <laughs> but you know um again back to you know the the idea of you know there's nothing like the heat of battle to to test your metal as it were you know sure. and uh so um, I have great hopes for that band, and I think we're going to do a residency here in March um, oh, great. with that organ trio.
0: Oh, yeah. great! Okay. Yeah, we'll look at the calendar for that.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> and I, you know, in terms of my booking, I, it's still evolving. My concept, you know, obviously, if I have to pay the rent, then I want to do some playing here <laughs> at the club, you know. So, so I usually book myself. One week in the month um, with a guest. So I had Craig Handy here uh, the week of Christmas, and then I don't know if you know of the guitarist Bruce Foreman. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he's going to be my guest in February okay. with a trio. Okay. You know, and uh, so I try to, um, you know, um, my, my piano trio hasn't quite uh, stabilized yet. Brian Fischler is definitely. Uh, been on, on most of the trio gigs, you know, and we've been using different bassists. Eric Markowitz has played, you know Fred Randolph has played um, you know, and um, uh, you know there are so many wonderful bass players here, we just haven't quite settled um, on what that combination may end up being more regularly mm-hmm. um, but uh, I'm also trying to get a, a distinguished vocalist in at least once a month I think that from a, from a programming perspective, you know, first of all, we're probably one of the only spaces of the city where a vocalist can perform to a quiet room uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, unless uh, the music is front and centre, um, then people gab. You know, and uh, so Kenny Washington, as I say, was great. Claire D was great. People were quiet. Sandy Cressman, people were quiet, very attentive. So, you know, the other aspect of that is that the human voice is um, accessible to probably a greater number of people who, who might not be... You know bona fide jazz listeners per se mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but they come to the music through lyrics or a song mm-hmm. better than they do through an instrumental version mm-hmm. sure so my hope is to be able to um, uh, be inclusive with the programming that way and i think you know good vocalists
0: bridge that gap yes what about food and beverage
1: food and mm-hmm. beverage okay um Great that you ask, because my my uh, my general manager, who also have, who has the misfortune of being my son-in-law, uh, <laughs> is uh, has fifteen years of hospi- fifteen years plus of hospitality experience, and so I basically said to him, "Look, I know nothing about this, um, uh, you know, about the hospitality side." Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's the one who's really um, taken. Uh, the brunt of the hospitality piece of this, and uh, he's he's put a beautiful menu together, oh, and um, uh, and uh, we've got a really lovely wine list as well, um, a really nice list of classic cocktails, and we're also looking to do some. Ze- we have some zero proof things if you yeah. look here, oh. which is um, yep. You know, of course, you know... Quite a uh, few. Quite a few people are not drinking now, mm-hmm. you know, so... Well, it's to, uh, January. Well, and not only that, but a lot of... <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, but, but you're right, you know. And people are choosing, maybe they'll have a, a leaded cocktail and then they'll want something right. still interesting that, that is not potent, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, and I wow, uh, so you just you're... saw Phelan come in. He, he's he's our, our main chef and, and cook, and um, and you know he's he's doing a beautiful job, uh, you know, creating some uh, not off scene sort of entrees. You know, uh, you see we've got things like coq au vin mm-hmm. and the fish and grits, a little bit of a southern twist. Looks great. And the basil prawn salad. You also, know. Also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we've got some vegan and vegetarian options there too. Some nice appetizers. Yes. So um, you know. Uh, our basic premise is the music brings people in here, but the hospitality keeps people here and give, helps them to have a fulfilled experience in the space. You know, and that's always been the way. I think with you know a real live jazz listening room, you know, people want a nice cocktail. You know, they want something to nibble on, uh, or you know maybe they want a full meal. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, music first, but definitely hospitality second.
0: What else would you like to say about Keys?
1: Um, well, just um, uh, I think that um, you know. Do you mind if I if I quote myself on the on the, on bit. the, on, on the um, you know our opening page here, our, our landing page on the website? I we say, welcome to Keys, a sacred space in San Francisco for the art and culture of jazz music, America's original art form. We are proud to present the best of our Bay Area jazz artists, along with their national and international peers. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty much
0: sums uh, it up for you. Yeah,
1: that's 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 Great. who we are, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and you know, the other thing I'd like to say is that the only way that community uh, can can flourish is is if we feel it's our responsibility collectively to support it in whichever way, you know, we choose to so um, uh, obviously uh, uh, it's important for the artist's sake and for the pe- everyone that comes in here and says, you know, we're so glad you're here, San Francisco doesn't have a place like this, this is incredible and I say, absolutely I say then we'll see you tomorrow or the next day, you know, so pe- people, um if they love what we have then they need to support it I've deliberately made it extremely uh, accessible um, you know, every ticket to every show is 25 bucks you know, I mean that y- you'll pay more for parking in North Beach you than will. you will for a, for a show right. and they're getting world class artists for that you know, and um, so it really is an inexpensive night you know, I mean get, buy a concert ticket anywhere else and you start at 80 bucks, right? You know, yes so um, so just, you know, um, you know, parting thought, I just love everyone to feel that, uh, you know, it's easy for us to lose a sense of our physical communities when we've been so cloistered uh, during the pandemic. Right. Um, but, you know, I think uh, the joy, much of the joy of our humanity is, is sharing space together in person and, and I see, you know, um, I've always thought of a jazz club as secular church. It's where we come together um, to share our spirit, our energy, and, um, and and the music is the catalyst for that, the facilitator for that. So, you know, um, I'm hoping that our, our community, our larger community, can embrace this.
0: I know from talking to people, so many are... So many people are glad that you're here with the club and are looking forward to coming. Um, So, I think you'll just see the enthusiasm grow over time.
1: You know, I sense that there's a great community here in North Beach, and certainly we've had many visits from business owners, uh, restaurants, clubs here who've come and introduced themselves and said, Nice to see you. And, you know, and so that we felt very welcomed and uh and that 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 feels really nice oh, there's sure. a real neighborhood here
0: you know sure well I, also i can tell you the listenership is going up for the podcast which great. is yeah i'm very pleased but also you're going to reach more people than you would have otherwise yeah at some other yeah. point in time great you know i've been doing this four and a half years so yeah. slowly well, building and yeah and uh the more subscribers there are the better it is for everybody sure
1: yeah sure yeah well good for putting in a plug there (laughs) well good for you for doing this
0: you can look backward in time and you can appreciate all the traditions that have been in this neighborhood Mm -hmm. going way back i mean Mm -hmm. clear back to the gold rush era Uh, but musically speaking i always think of you know the 40s through present day right and then you don't even have to think nostalgically without um, considering the fact that there are people like you who are here who want to establish new traditions and are doing so. Right. It's not just an abstract thing. It's not just a memory. It's not just something we right. talk about fondly about certain musicians at certain periods of time in certain spaces. People like you are actually making it happen. Well, taking and
1: a bet on it. Yeah, yeah,
0: Taking a bet on it. And, you know, the... Um, the establishment of new traditions in this neighborhood so many people feel very strongly about that. Mm. So, like mm-hmm. you, as you have said, I, I hope that they will join their community and support you in right. what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, this is by far the most vibrant part of the city, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of your choices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the eclecticism, yeah, uh, you know, the general, um. Uh, you know, just out and aboutedness, if there is such a time. That's know. a good way to put it. Yeah.
0: That wraps up this episode of North Beach Now. Many thanks to Simon Rowe for this interview and also for opening up his club, Keys Jazz Bistro, at the corner of Kearney and Broadway here in North Beach. You can follow the podcast at Tumblr, and I hope you'll stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you for listening to North Beach Now.